Here is your Radio Theatre Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has old-time radio on live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel. You can find links to both channels and more on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Ho, ho, ho! Hello! Welcome back for more Christmas old-time radio. This week I have goodies from Sherlock Holmes and Duffy's Tavern. So sit back, put your feet up by the fire... And enjoy. From New York, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and 924 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. are based upon the character of Sherlock Holmes created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is portrayed by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser. Well, here we are about to enter Dr. Watson's familiar study. Hello, what's this? We find the good doctor hanging up his Christmas holly. Not forgetting a sprig of mistletoe, Mr. Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Hope springs eternal, as they say. But here, help me down from this chair. My old legs aren't as agile as they were in the days when I followed Holmes through the dungeons and up the tower stairs of old Pensdagon Castle. Here we are. Oh, thanks. That sounds suspiciously like the beginning of a Sherlock Holmes yarn, Dr. Watson. It is, Mr. Harris, it is. Holmes always called it the adventure of the Christmas bride. It concerns a ghostly lady in white who was supposed to have disappeared centuries ago. The honor of a noble family and a certain Father Christmas who suddenly sang bass. And now, while I fix us both a yuletide, Tolly, suppose you'll tell our friends and listeners about a gift every man in our audience would welcome from Father Christmas, or as you Americans call him, Santa Claus. With pleasure, Dr. Watson. And not only from Santa Claus. A thrifty man can give himself a worthwhile gift any time if he insists on clippercraft. For Clippercraft clothes, keep on giving for a long, long time. First of all, you've never seen such truly fine clothes at such really low prices. That means you pocket the savings. That's the first gift to yourself. And they also give you superb styling, perfect fit, and long wear. Clippercraft clothes give you so very much because of the unique Clippercraft plan. Concentrating the buying power of 924 of the nation's leading stores from coast to coast. That means tremendous savings in manufacturing and distribution costs. And yours are the savings this brilliant plan makes possible. Clippercraft suits are only $40 and $45. Clippercraft top coats and overcoats only $40. And sport jackets only $26.50. Clippercraft values are so amazing, we urge you to compare them with clothes selling for many dollars more. Now, how about that Christmas bride, Dr. Watson? Her name was Ginevra, and she was the heir and only child of Lord Robert Neville, 10th Earl and 54th Baron Pensdragon of Pensdragon Castle. Yes, I shall never forget my first glimpse of that ancient and somewhat forbidding edifice, the walls gray and bleak without their summer covering of ivy, 
The tall, square and defiant with the red or rouge dragon pennant angrily defying the winter gales. Well, as I was saying, a rather urgent message from Lord Neville on elegant embossed stationery had arrived at 221B Baker Street. Would Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson do him the honor of a visit to Penn's Dragon over the Christmas holidays? The visit to include the wedding of his daughter, Lady Ginevra, to the immensely wealthy but slightly middle-aged Wentworth Trimmingham, which was due to occur on the second day of the new year. Now, don't tell me the eminent Mr. Sherlock Holmes was called in to guard the wedding presents, Dr. Watson. <laughs> Hardly, Mr. Harris. At any rate, the day before Christmas found us alighting from our train at a small station in the Cumberland Hills which, as you know, are situated in the north of England. There had been a slight fall of snow. An ancient carriage with red wheels and the Neville arms on the door was drawn up to the station platform, while the anxious face of the Lord of the Manor himself, in top hat and earmuffs, peered through one of the steamy windows. Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. That's right. Uh, this way, gentlemen. His lordship's expecting you in carriage. Quite a fall of snow you've had here. Aye, sir. More are coming. By rights, we should have brought the sleigh. Only his lordship loaned it to the vicar for tomorrow night. Vicar always plays fire to Christmas at the hall on Christmas Eve, man knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, sir. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'll hop in before you freeze to death. Thank you. Are you here, Mr. Holmes? Your friend opposite. Ah. And now then, Dennis, back to Penn's Dragon as fast as you can. Aye, my lord. Mr. Holmes, you are doubtless curious as to why I've invited you and Dr. Watson to share our Yuletide celebrations at Penn's Dragon. To be quite honest, Lord Neville, I didn't think it was entirely for the pleasure of our society, although Watson is quite an asset when it comes to carol singing. Oh, tenor? No, certainly not. Baritone. Oh, oh, that's good. The vicar who leads the Christmas singing is rather proud of his tenor voice, and I may say he's not too fond of competition. Mr. Holmes... I have invited you to Penn's Dragon to make sure that nothing, nothing occurs to prevent the marriage of my daughter to Mr. Wentworth Trimmingham. Why is that marriage so imperative, Lord Neville? To be brutally frank, Mr. Holmes, the Neville estates are mortgaged up to the ears. If the marriage does not go through on the second of next month, I shall be bankrupt, totally bankrupt. I see. Has anything occurred, Lord Neville, to make you fear that this marriage may not take place? Well, no. That is nothing definite. Perhaps the Lady Ginevra hasn't been able to hide her distaste for the match. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing like that. Well, I, I wouldn't say it was a passionate attachment on either side. But they, they like the same things. She laughs at all his jokes. What better foundation could one ask for a marriage, eh, Watson? Well, that's what I should have said. Well, everything was as smooth as silk until the Dowager Duchess of Turse gave the engagement dinner last month. It was at her suggestion that I sent you the invitation to Penn's Dragon. She's been decidedly edgy ever since Percy returned in the midst of the betrothal dinner two weeks ago. Percy? Yes, Percy is my cousin, although he's only seven years older than Ginevra. He's our next of kin. As a matter of fact, he's an orphan and lived with us at Penn's Dragon until he went off to Canada to seek his fortune two years ago. If anything should happen to your daughter before she produced an heir, would Percy Neville inherit? Yes, Dr. Watson. Both the title and the estates. Percy Neville's return was unexpected, I gather. It was. Unexpected and melodramatic, to say the least. The betrothal dinner was being held in the great hall of Penn's Dragon Castle. My daughter had just risen to return the bridegroom's toast. As she lifted her glass, a casement window was thrown violently open, and Percy walked in out of the night. 
should like to make a toast to my future bridegroom. Percy! What is it? Good heavens, Percy, is it really you? I'm sorry to make such an abrupt entrance, Lady Terse, but I came as soon as I received news of the engagement. Percy, why didn't you let us know you were coming? Let you know? Let you know when you never bothered to answer my letters? But, Percy, we never received any letters. We, we thought you'd forgotten us. I had forgotten, as if that would have mattered. Percy, that's not true. You know how fond I... we are of you. How touching. Percy, this is Wentworth. Wentworth Trimingham, my future bridegroom. So, this is the little man they've sold you to. Stop that. Stop it at once. I'm very fond of Wentworth. How are you, my dear Geneva? Percy, why do you look at me like that? To think you should so soon forget our family motto. Ne vile bailis. The name Neville means that, you know. Ne vile bailis. <laughs> Latin, I take it, eh, Holmes? Quite. It means stoop to nothing base, in case you've forgotten your Ovid, Watson. Oh, teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Tell me, Lord Neville, what happened after Percy quoted the family motto to your daughter? Uh, he stamped off to his old rooms in the tower and hasn't been out of them since. How does the Lady Ginevra react to this unfriendly behavior? Oh, she says let him sulk. It's no concern of hers. Lady Terse, on the other hand, is thoroughly unnerved by Percy's return. Oh? As she feels sure he'll do something outrageous the day of the wedding... Poor Wentworth is as edgy as a hen on a hot griddle. Well, of course, that may be due to his encounter with a white lady. White lady? Who's she? The ghost of the first Ginevra, you know. The bride who played hide-and-seek on her wedding night and was never seen alive again. Years later, her skeleton was found in her great dower chest, still dressed in her wedding gown. She'd hidden in there, and somehow the hasp must have fallen down, and she was locked in and smothered to death. Seems to me I remember a rather famous poem on the subject. Oh, yes. So all the Ginevras and the Neville family have been named after her. She's supposed to walk through the halls of the castle whenever a misfortune is due to occur. Oh, cheerful damsel, eh, Holmes? When and how did Wentworth Trimingham meet the lady? Well, Mr. Holmes, it seems it's his habit to knock on my daughter's door on his way to bed to wish her good night. Last night, the wind was rather high and he couldn't seem to make my daughter hear. Suddenly, he heard a strange creaking noise down the corridor behind him. Looking round, he saw the lid of the dower chest rise slowly. Ginevra. Ginevra, my dear, it's I, Wentworth. I've come to bid you good night. Ginevra, are you there? Ginevra! Who calls me? What was that? Good Lord, the, the lid of the chest is rising. There's something. A woman in white. She's rising out of the chest. Who, who, who are you? The fool Ginevra. You call to me. So I have come to warn you. Go away. Go away before it is too late. Then what happened, Lord Neville? For nothing, Mr. Holmes. Apparently, the white figure glided past my daughter's fiancé and disappeared up the tower stairs. Hmm. What did the lady look like? Blonde, brunette? Uh, Wentworth says her features were hidden by the bridal veil. Yes. Interesting. 
I suppose anyone in the house would have access to that tower chest. On the contrary, Mr. Holmes, too many people are possessed of insatiable curiosity. I keep the silly thing safely padlocked, I promise you. How many keys are there to that padlock? One, which I keep by me here on my keyring. A very wise precaution. I say, Holmes, your bed is even larger than the one in my room. The butler tells me Queen Victoria slept there when she paid a visit in 1846. Don't look so superior, Watson. Queen Elizabeth, I'm told, slept here quite a few years before that. Oh. Come in. Oh, Lady Tuss, beautiful and charming as ever. Stuff and nonsense. Glad to see you, both of you. Something's going on here. Don't like it. What sort of something are you referring to, Lady Tuss? Don't know. If I did, shouldn't have sent for you. Ginevra looks as if butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. Bad sign. Percy looks like a thundercloud. That's worse. I thought Percy had locked himself in his rooms and refused to see anyone. I'd like to see anyone refuse to see me. Oh, but I'm Gavin. Uh, you will want to view the premises. Yes. First of all, I'd like to inspect that dour chest. It might be interesting to investigate how a lady in white can emerge from a carefully padlocked coffer. Then you don't think it was a ghost. Neither do I. Well, what was she up to? We shall be able to answer those questions better, Lady Terse, after you've had a look inside that box. I wonder if you could persuade Lord Neville to lend us the key. Here's the key, Mr. Holmes. Lord Neville insists I bring it back the moment you're finished with it. Oh, suspicious old boy, eh, Holmes? Not suspicious, Dr. Watson. Fussy. Well, Mr. Holmes, why the delay? Open the silly chest. Let's see what's inside. So fast, Lady Terse, not so fast. First, let's have a look at the lock. Heavy old bit of machinery. Yes, almost impossible to pick it without showing signs. There are no signs. Then whoever opened it used that key. Not necessarily, Watson. But there's only one key. Lord Neville told us so. And if Robert says a thing, it's gospel. Yes. Interesting carving around the lock. The wood's very old. Mm, naturally. Open it up. I'm dying of curiosity. Very well. Lock means oiling. Hasn't been unlocked for some time. I'll remove the padlock. Here, Watson, hold it. Now, Lady Terse, if you'll help me raise the lid. Right. Good Lord, what's that? Oh, it's Thor, Ginevra's spaniel. Goes everywhere with her. Regular shadow. Oh, yes, here she comes. Hello there. I'm Ginevra. Why, you must be Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Delighted. Don't let me stop you, Mr. Holmes. You won't. Father told me what you're up to. I'm dying to see what's in the chest, too. Go ahead, open it up. Down, sword, down, boy. You see, it's a biggish box, isn't it? Yes, a woman could easily hide in there. Hmm, something uh, white and uh, satin lying on the bottom. Wonderful. It must be her wedding dress. I've always heard it was still in there. Remarkable to find it in such good condition after all these years. The remarkable thing about it, Lady Ginevra, is this dust and dirt on the hem. Watson, give me an envelope. I shall want to take a sample. But that's fascinating. I've heard simply fabulous things about you, Mr. Holmes. And now I believe them. Every one. Do you? Yes, I think we've seen everything there is to be seen here. Watson, you may close the lid. And lock it. Right. Uh-huh. So this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and his famous deductions. They told me you were coming. They? Who's they? I understood you've let no one in here, not even the maid. You've overlooked Lady Terse. Try to keep her out of anything. I didn't mention Mr. Holmes, Percy. 
Oh, did I? Don't look so suspicious, Lady Terse. I've decided to be a good boy. I've even decided to come downstairs tonight and join in the Christmas Eve festivities. Percy, that gleam in your eye. I've known you too long. You're up to something. If you want to know what satisfying people really means, ask any man who wears Clippercraft clothes. He'll sing their praises, with good reason, too. For values like Clippercraft amaze even clothing experts. Until you see Clippercraft clothes and try them on, you won't believe such really superb suits are possible at only $40 and $45. And such rich, long-wearing top coats and overcoats at only $40. Such very smart sport jackets at only $26.50. For just a fraction of what you'd expect to pay, you get correct styling, perfect fit, and long-wearing materials. An ingenious plan makes this all possible. The Clippercraft plan, which concentrates the buying power of 924 of the nation's leading stores from coast to coast. You get the savings that result from this group buying at your own local independent store, the store you can trust. Selling inexpensive clothes at inexpensive low prices at the nation's finest independent stores is the great big idea behind the Clippercraft plan. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suit, top coat, and overcoat. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. Calm yourself, Geneva. He'll be here. But, Percy, the snow's so deep. What if he can't get through? Now, don't worry. The sleigh is light, and he has Vixen, the best horse in the county. Nothing can pass her, you know. Oh, dear, I hope so. The snow fell down. What ails the dog? He may prove to be a bit of a problem, don't you think? Goodness, I hope to... Oh, Mr. Holmes, I didn't see you behind that chair. An ancient wing chair often provides a good listening post, my dear. Now, look here, you meddling busybody. Percy, please, you promised. Suppose you allow me to solve the problem of the dog, Lady Ginevra. Would you? I mean, listen, sleigh bells. The vicar's driving up. He's here. Father Christmas has arrived. Open the door, Paddleford. Now then, everyone. Good King Wences has looked down on happy son Stephen when the snow lay round about. My ideas half frozen. Come along, Father Christmas. Percy will take you into the dining room. You can have a hot toddy while you get out of your rack. That's a good idea. A good idea. And better disguise your voice, sir, or all the children will guess who you are. Uh, that's a good idea, too. Uh, uh, gather round, all. Uh, bring in the Yule log. <laughs> Father Christmas will be with you in a moment to give out the presents to all the good boys and girls. <laughs> there. Uh, how's that? Vicar, you're wonderful. Now go along. Take good care of him, Percy. Never fear, my dear. Oh, Mr. Holmes, they're bringing in the Yule log. Come 
me set fire to it. Oh, a whole book Dr. Watson has caught Lady Curse under the mistletoe. I declare I've never had such a Christmas. Oh, come along, Ginevra. They're ready for you to light the fire. Oh, dear, where did I put the matches? Oh, happy, Lady Ginevra. Oh, thank you, Dr. Watson. Oh, 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 I say, I say, how she burns, Oh, eh? lovely. I do like to toast my feet in front of a yule log. I beg your pardon, Lady Ginevra, but haven't you raised your skirts a bit too high? Oh, my goodness. I forgot. Oh, Ginevra, my dear, your fiancé is making quite an ass of himself. He runs into the library every other minute to see no one's listed one of the wedding presents. Well, all that silver and your present, Lady Terse, the diamond tiara. I'll admit that. Tiara is a temptation. You shouldn't have given it to me, Lady Terse. It's wonderful. Oh, not at all. A confounded nuisance. Given me a headache for years. Glad to be rid of it. Oh, here, here comes Father Christmas. Gather around the punch bowl, everyone. And we'll have a drink or so before we give out the presents. Oh, 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 no, we should. That's the ticket. I say there, because Father Christmas, I mean. A start us off on a carol. Can't drink your eggnog without a song. Right you are, fair lady. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you Holmes. Ah, Trent, I tried to break the chest open, but the dog won't let him near. 
Turn all the wedding presents. Fiddle-dee-dee. Personally, I'll make mine a much handsomer contribution. Ginevra shall have the tiara and my emeralds as well. They're worth a king's ransom. Lady Turf, you are an astounding female. All women are. Oh, but we're keeping the dancers waiting. You shall lead the dancers with me, Robert. Come along. Say, Holmes, you old fraud. I believe you knew what was going on all the time. I suspected, Watson. I suspected... But when I saw the Lady Ginevra raise her ball gown and display a pair of traveling boots, I was sure. But uh, come along, Watson. We shall have to go down to the kitchen and make peace with the cook. Oh, why that? For making off with Sunday's roast of beef. Something had to be done to keep the dog interested, or he'd have given the show away. Well, that certainly was a Christmas story with all the trimmings, Dr. Watson. Glad you liked it, Mr. Harris. And now, while I fill up our glasses so we can drink a Christmas toast to our listeners and our sponsors. Nothing would give me greater pleasure, Dr. Watson. Ah, here's your glass, Mr. Harris. Thank you. And here's to our radio friends, young and old. Merry, merry Christmas and happiness, prosperity and peace in the new year. Indeed, Dr. Watson. And warm greetings to all the makers of Clippercraft clothes. And now, Dr. Watson, how about just a small hint about next week's story? Next week, I think I should tell you how Holmes and I spent New Year's Eve off the Silly Isles. <laughs> New Year's Eve off the Silly Isles? That sounds amusing, Doctor. Hair-raising is the word, Mr. Harris. We were aboard the luxury liner Gigantic, expecting that any minute she would burst into flames. There's nothing more terrifying, we know, than a fire at sea. <laughs> Makers of Clipper Craft Clothes and 924 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Lochran with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clipper Craft dealer, write Clipper Craft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Christmas seals support the fight to prevent the spread of tuberculosis in this community. Buy and use Christmas seals on all your holiday mail, and be sure to mail your packages now. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in New Year's Eve off the Silly Isles. If you'd like to attend the Sherlock Holmes broadcast in New York, see your local Clippercraft dealer, and he'll tell you how to obtain your tickets.
gibber-craft clothes, listen to World's Largest Network, serving more than 450 radio stations and mutual broadcasting systems. Hello, Duffy Salmon, what do you eat meat to eat? Aren't you the man you're speaking? Duffy ain't here. Hello, Duffy. Uh, tonight, a real big shot, Duffy. Monty Woolley. And that ain't hay. <laughs> Oh, is it? Well, uh, you remember Wooly Duffy, the, uh, you know, the wise old actor with a sage old brush? <laughs> well, look, Duffy, somebody's got to play Santa Claus at the Christmas party, so, you know, as long as Monty's going to be here, you, you know, the old Adagio, a, a beard in the hand. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll ask him. Well, I'll call you back, Duffy. Gentlemen, welcome to Duffy's Tavern. Come in and meet Finnegan, Eddie the waiter, Miss Duffy, our singer Bob Graham, Beat Beat Reeves and his orchestra, and our special guest tonight, Monty Woolley, and Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hey, Eddie, uh, where's the soap? The soap? Uh, Miss Duffy, you got a new girl? <laughs> no, Eddie, I want to write a poem on a mirror. Poem on the mirror? Certainly, me annual Christmas poem. And Eddie, if I do say so, it's probably the plainest opus I have ever opened. <laughs> you know, it's got that real Christmas flavor. Mm. Say, any chance a fella not hearing it? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, Eddie. Uh, listen to this thing. Uh, Merry Christmas to you all. Be of bright cheer and joyous. Leave us Yule a log on the fire. And leave not naught annoy us. <laughs> Come lift your beakers and quaff us a skull. Kiss Kringles abroad in the snow. I quaff, lad, and laugh, lad. Ha-ha. Hee-hee. <laughs> Ho-ho. <laughs> you like it, Eddie? It'll go beautifully with that cracked mirror. <laughs> okay, here's the soap. And, Eddie, uh, while I'm doing this, how about you Christmasing up the joint a little bit? Uh, here, hang up these wreaths. Yeah, where will I hang them? Well, leave one dangle over each table. That's a good idea. Then after each customer's finished eating, uh, we can just lay the wreath right on his chest. <laughs> Eddie, don't be so fascistic. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, Miss Duffy. Where do you think is the best place for me to hang these mistletoes? Well, how many you got there? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Miss, Miss Duffy, you're going to hang seven mistletoes around this joint? Well, what do you want me to do? Stand in one place all the time? <laughs> well, uh, you mean to tell me that you got all these traps set for Brackenbridge hearts and powder? Oh, him. Oh, him? What's the trouble? Oh, I just found out what he's getting me for Christmas. A $2 bottle of perfume. Isn't that cheap? Well, now, wait a minute, Duffy. You know, $2 a bottle for perfume might not be cheap. It all depends. Is it a quarter or a fifth? <laughs> Archie, everybody knows that perfume don't come in quarts or fifths. This is a pint. <laughs> Gee, I thought maybe he would get me 
me a fur coat or maybe an alligator bag. An alligator bag? What would you do with it? You ain't got an alligator. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what's the use of standing here talking to you? Once a man, always a man. And you can say that again. (laughs) Eddie. Eddie, did you ever... You ever beat the likes of these dames? They're all so mercenary, you know? That is so You know, that Sonia Jones of mine is still expecting that mink coat. Plus. Plus what? Plus a diamond bracelet and a ruby engagement ring, which I also promised her. You see, the other night I sort of took her off, and when we talked about the mink coat, she kind of put her arms around me, and then I mentioned the diamond bracelet, and she gave me a great big kiss. Then I saw the ruby ring. Uh huh. <laughs> Eddie, are you crazy? Comes Christmas and she'll kill you. Uh, who cares? <laughs> Live dangerously is my motto. Well, uh, you know, with me, I ain't got no problems. I'm giving every dame I know the same present—a nice, practical gift, and yet it's attractive. What is it? Picture of me. <laughs> Uh, you see, I had six lovely portraits made. Yeah, how much did it set you back? Let's see, there were three for quarter. <laughs> uh, and there were six of them. Uh, it came to, uh, six times three and a quarter. Roughly around a half a buck. <laughs> and that takes care of my list. Say, well, what you gonna give for Mr. Duffy? What am I gonna get for Duffy? Teddy, for Duffy, I will get exactly what he always gets me. And that is something which you can find in a vacuum which has been cleaned out by a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> oh, oh, hiya, Finnegan. Gosh, check who's here with me tonight. Who? My brother Wilfred. Wilfred? Yeah. Is, uh, is that the tall, fat, ugly one? No, that's me mother. Tonight, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wilfred is my kid brother. You know, the black sheep of the family. The black sheep of the family? Yeah, the one with the brains. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember him. Uh, Very smart kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, Art, uh, what's an IQ? An IQ? Uh, why? My kid brother's got one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, Finnegan, that proves that he is a very fine boy. Yeah? Huh? Yeah, yes. Uh, IQ is a scientific abbreviation for a very smart person. Uh, liberally translated, it means... Uh, Intelligent quadruped. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, this brother of mine is very smart. He's really got his worry. You see, the rest of our family is just normal, average people. Like me. <laughs> and Paul Wilfred has to be a genius. Yeah, well, that's tough. Uh, Why did you find it out? Well, uh, we first realized that he was abnormal when we seen him reading the paper without moving his lips. <laughs> well, you can't tell. Maybe the kid has been through equipped. No, he's a good boy. <laughs> hey, wait, I'll go bring him up. <laughs>
Hello, Duffy. What? There's a package from you arriving for me, and I shouldn't open it until Christmas. A present for me? Are you sure this is Duffy? <laughs> well, uh, Duffy, I'm flabbergasted. You know? <laughs> well, gee, thanks. Uh, and by the way, uh, uh, did, did you receive my present yet? Well, it's uh, probably in the mail. Mm. I'll call you back. Holy cat, Eddie. Duffy bought me a present. I, I, I gotta get something from him. I gotta get something. What, what can I... Let me see. Europa. I got it. What? I'll send him one of my portraits. Uh, have you got a pen, Eddie? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I'll autograph it, you know, with something nice. Uh, let's see. To my dearest employer, good old Duffy, in one appreciation for all I have done for you. Archie. Say, Archie. Yeah, Mr. Bailey. Do you think that the picture is enough of a... Listen, Bailey, he's the boss. Actually, I can't send him as good a present as he's sending me. Uh, after all, with the kind of dough Duffy's got, you know, and an expensive present, there's no skin off his flint. <laughs> Say, Archie, wouldn't it be wonderful if around this time of year he sent you a, a lovely warm scarf? A scarf. Well, <laughs> Bailey, I'm funny that way. You know, I'd rather warm myself over a gold cigarette lighter. Well, as long as it's something that keeps you warm. Don't forget, Archie, the cold sneezing is here. Would you mind to repeat that, please? I said the cold sneezing is here. The cold sneezing is here. <laughs> Bailey, that joke snakes. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, Finnegan. Uh, it's my brother, Wilford. Uh, you remember him, Art. Oh, certainly. Hello, Wilford, my boy. Hello. My, you uh, certainly have been growing. Doesn't that strike you as an entirely normal procedure? Well, 
That's how it goes. Uh, uh, well, how are things in school, Wilfred? Uh, are your teachers learning you lots of stuff? Archie, they're not learning me. They're teaching me. Oh. <laughs> well, that's what they're there for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're looking fine, Wilfred. Very manly. Are you eating good? Uh... Yes, I get sufficient nourishment, thank you. Well, you know, uh... You got to eat good if you want to grow up to be a big, strong man like your Uncle Archie. You know how I got this physique of mine? Malnutrition. <laughs> yes, sir, and plenty of it. <laughs> yep, Wilfred, I always eat lots of bread, potatoes, uh, pancakes. Well, I'm on a diet that precludes carbohydrates. No, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> what say? Starches. I'm not permitted to have starches. Well, that's right, Wilfred. Uh, starches ain't good for you. You know, they make your stomach stiff. <laughs> well, uh, see, anyways, Wilfred. Uh... Oh, well, I said start the music. Wilfred, you're in for a big treat. Bob Bray, my singer, who is also a college man, has brought over a few of his, uh... Sorority brothers here. Uh, they're going to treat us with a Christmas carol. Uh, go on, fellas, sing and make it Christmassy. Huh? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is Good to see you again. I trust that uh, you and I can pick up our acquaintance from whence we left. Left off. I'm sure we can. My revulsion is undiminished. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Monty, old boy. Old boy, old boy. 
This is the first time I have ever heard of contempt breeding familiarity. <laughs> I wish I knew if he was smiling. Uh, Murphy, uh, why, uh, why is it that you take this anti-gnastic, uh, uh, attitude towards me? Well, frankly, I think of you as a possible menace to my future. Me? Oh, Chuck, Why? Well, someday, when I am too old to play juvenile... Yeah? I, I may want to go back to my old profession, instructor of English. But by the time you're through with it, I may find myself teaching a dead language. <laughs> Well, you know, it's a lucky thing for you that that was a veiled insult. Why, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I did too. Hey, mister, that's a funny place to wear a grass skirt. <laughs> oh, the darn thing always hikes up. Finnegan, please, no remarks, Kay, about the beaver, Kay. Oh, I apologize, mister. So I promise I won't tell you about your beard again. Uh, after all, I'm uh, yeoman. <laughs> Sir, you presume. Uh, look, I'm sorry, Monty, but I hope you'll understand. You know, uh, you know, the guy takes a look at that. Finnegan, put down that match. Ah, <laughs> uh, let me do it. I never gave a guy a hot beard. <laughs> Look, beat it, will you, Finnegan? I'm having enough trouble with this guy. Uh, Murphy, uh, tell me something. Uh, what are you doing Christmas Eve? Well, we have an old custom in our family. I always take Grandma to the fight. <laughs> well, that's very sweet, but the fights get out pretty early. Now, here's what I had in mind. Uh, how would you like a part here on Christmas Eve playing the part of... Playing the part of what? Monty, why don't we have a bite to eat? <laughs> Eddie, how about some refreshments for Mr. Woolley? Uh, Just a moment. I eat here, <laughs> I'd sooner die. No, there is no sooner way. Just <laughs> a second, Eddie. Uh, Mr. Woolley, Mr. Woolley, don't let Eddie frighten you. The food isn't that bad. Well, have you, sir, ever eaten in this cadaver's commissary? <laughs> Well, Duffy's is no writ. Do tell. Monty. Yeah. Uh, Monty, you see, every Christmas Eve, we have a big party here at Duffy's. You know, the joint is full of kids. They come down to get their fathers, you know. <laughs> and uh, we have a Christmas tree and wreaths around, and every kid gets a candied pig's foot. And, uh... I usually write a Christmas pageant. You can write? Like a whiz. Uh, now, the only thing we yet ain't got set yet. Well, now, what is it? What is it that you yet ain't got set yet? <laughs> Santa Claus. Now, just a second, you Brooklyn Noel coward. Now... <laughs> Please, Monty, don't get excited and, uh... Uh, by the way, uh, Brooklyn and Noel don't go with each other anymore. Uh, look, playing the part of Santa Claus, it'd be so much fun, and, and look what a challenge it'd be for you as a, as a pedestrian. A challenge? Well, sure, it'd be the toughest role of your career. You playing a sweet guy. And, uh, 
When you give out them toys to them little kids, think of the thrill you'll get out of it. Yes, yes. I can already feel the patter of tiny feet on my face. Look, <laughs> Martha. Wait, you was a kid once yourself, wasn't you? There's no record of it. Ah, <laughs> oh, wait. Gee, if, if you could just talk to one of them kids and see what it's like... Uh, wait a minute. Hey, Finnegan, is your kid brother Wilfred still here? Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, Wilfred, uh, come here. I want you to meet Santa Claus. Now, listen, you... Look, Monty, what can you lose? Just kid the kid along a little. Uh, did you call me, Archie? Yep, Wilfred. I got a great treat for you. Guess who this is. Wilfred, this is Santa Claus. Mm. Well, well, well. Not the Santa Claus. <laughs> That's right, young man. <laughs> Uh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> well, son, I'll be coming down your chimney Christmas Eve. Well, thank you very much. But we have an oil burner. <laughs> uh, say, Mr. Claus, I understand you live up at the North Pole. I do? Oh, yes, I do. You know, of course, that the average temperature of the North Pole is estimated at... 70 to 90 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Well, it does get a bit nippy. <laughs> but then one can always grab a snort of... Uh, Sandy! Snort of... Sandy, of course, only drinks soft drinks, Wilfred. That's right. That's right, Wilfred. Very soft. Cotton gin. <laughs> yes, Wilfred, now see that you're a good boy, because on Christmas Eve, Santa Claus calls on every good little boy and girl. How did you know where they live? Well, they you know, has all their numbers in a little red book. Yeah, yeah, some mighty fine numbers in that little red book. <laughs> oh, this is so ridiculous. Preposterous. Huh? Wilfred, you don't mean that you believe in Santa Claus? Oh, Archie, please. It's an amusing legend. It's rather pleasant, this Santa Claus. But this man plays him so badly. Why are you... Now, not... take it easy, honey. Honey, leave go of the kid's throat. Wilfred, put down them tweezers. <laughs> so what, Marty? You know, the kid's a bit of a critic. Please leave me. Get out of here. <laughs> Look, Marty, I, I'm, I'm sorry it turned out like this, but... Don't you, don't be silly. I'll be happy to be here Christmas Eve. You will? Yes, playing Santa Claus with Wilfred, with a bag slung over my shoulder. And do you know what I hope to have in that bag? What? Wilfred. <laughs> and now, you lousy little genius. Now, Archie, please, you don't actually expect an educated man of eight to believe Santa Claus. Don't I? Look, Wilfred, maybe there ain't no real Santa Claus with no red coat jumping down chimney. Okay. But there is uh, something that a kid like you should get wise to. Something that kind of makes people do wonderful things for each other at Christmas time, and I like to call it Santa Claus. It's, well, it's something inside of all of us, kid, that if we're right guys, we'll turn each one of us into a Santa Claus, see? With every guy loving his fellow guy and working with him to bring goodwill into the world, peace, and get... <laughs> Don't tell me that there ain't no that kind of a Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
That's sounding, Mr. Archer. And, hey, this package just comes for you. Oh, yeah? Let me look. Hey, it's my present from Tuffy. Now, Wilfred, here is what I'm talking about. This package says don't open till Christmas, but I want to teach you a lesson, see? So I'll open it. <laughs> now, here's a guy named Duffy. You know, he's mean, dingy, cheap, and yet... At Christmas time, he changes and gives me this. This. This picture of himself. <laughs> Autograph to my dear employee, Archie. Where was I, Wilfred? Oh, yeah, you see? Maybe there ain't no real Santa Claus with no red coat chimney chimneys, but I believe that. The... Duffy Starvin. Oh, hello, Duffy. By the way, Duffy, thanks for that picture. It's, uh, you know, it's just the kind of a thing I wouldn't have bought for myself. <laughs> so, Merry Christmas to you and Mrs. Duffy and, and all of our friends. So long, Duffy. <laughs>